Hello, beautiful humans. Aaliyah Chan here, and welcome to Human First Podcast, a space where I talk to inspiring individuals about their mental health journey in an effort to increase mental awareness, normalize struggle, and end stigma. Together, we embrace hope and celebrate all parts of the human experience. As a mental health podcast, I acknowledge that these sensitive matters may be triggering for some. If you are in crisis, please reach out to the crisis center in the area that you live in or call 911. Your safety is top priority, so please always listen in a way that feels comfortable and safe for you to do so. Thank you so much for joining me here. On today's episode on Human First Podcast, I share a very fun and insightful conversation with Brendan Callahan. Brendan and I met in grad school, but it was super cool getting to know him better outside the classroom and to share in this space with him. His experience with the party culture and the strong influence drugs and alcohol had on his life is one that I think a lot of us can resonate with, and hearing his story of recovery was eye-opening. I personally took some golden nuggets for myself in terms of reflecting on the kind of life I want to create for myself, and I hope there will be some takeaways for you as well. Enjoy. Well, Brendan Callahan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm super excited for the listeners and even me to hear more about your story and just your experience that you're going to be talking about today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. It's a nice way to spend a Sunday afternoon for sure. For me, it's a Sunday morning, but oh, yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, but it's a nice start. It's always good to have conversations like this um, better than just sitting alone and having coffee. <laughs> That's true. Very true. Um, well, I know your story a little bit of a, you gave me a little bit of a snippet and I know that it starts kind of like in high school or early on, maybe in mm-hmm. your teenage years. So if it's okay, maybe starting there and giving us a little bit of insight into your upbringing and and where that story starts for you. Sure. Um, So I guess um, for people listening, what we're generally going to be talking about today is kind of uh, party culture, uh, early drug use, sustained drug use, um, and just kind of, I guess, more of my personal experience with that. And hopefully there can be some relatable things in there, maybe some mistakes I made people can learn Mm from. Um, So, yeah, like, as you said, um, I think that kind of started for me in high school. Yeah. So I think what kind of kicked all that off for me was when I entered high school, I started hanging out with um, people who were, we call it victory lapping out here, but it's like grade 13. So they were already Mm. like 18, 19. So they could already legally party. And Mm. I was coming in at like 14 and... My parents were, you know, they're trying to do the best to keep their kids safe, right? So there was a good amount of uh, incongruence between what I was seeing all the people around me um, being like Mm -hmm. able to do and then some kind of restrictions that I was feeling. And I I feel like, I mean, that's going to be common with anyone around like 14, 15, you know, that's that whole stage in development of differentiation from, you know when are you like a kid? When are you not a kid anymore? And then if you're hanging out with legit adults, that's going to just mess that up. So that creates a lot of tension. Right. Um, And yeah, so like they're all hanging out, drinking, doing whatever. And, uh, you know, I had, I think my parents were especially worried about that kind of thing because my family, like across branches of our tree has a good amount of history with um, addictions and um, drug use. Right. And so I, I experienced a lot of uh, reactants um, mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of almost internally drove myself to want to do those things more because mm. it was like, that's what I can, you know, like the grass is yeah. always greener kind of thing. Like I, yeah. I just wanted to, I wanted to match the level of everyone else and like party with everybody and just have fun as though I were like four or five years older than I was. Right. Um, Would you say, Brendan, that because your parents were exposed to addiction and just familiar with that concept that they were more strict about it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think another thing was 
I mean, I, I don't want to sound like I'm talking shit about my parents. I love them. They're phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. um, like they, they experienced that kind of thing clo- like firsthand um, with like, I, don't, I won't go into too much detail with like my family members or whatever. Cause like, I, yeah. I didn't tell anybody about anything <laughs> yeah. um, that I was going to be saying here, but mm-hmm. um, I think they were just like, you know, this, that our son has potential to do well. And we know mm-hmm. how people with, you know, similar personalities to myself and my family have kind of just some people have picked things up and ran with it and been really successful. And some people have picked up right. just like partying and um, like getting involved with the wrong kinds of people and just getting stuck in that. And it right. Thankfully, everyone um, who was alive now is, you know, everyone's kind of gotten out of all of that, but mm-hmm. it, it can take like decades, you know. Um, right. So I think they were really scared of that happening to me. And it kind of. Yeah did which is why i'm here i guess talking yeah. about this mm. um but yeah and then so yeah that that was like just brief high school and then when i got into university it was like a slingshot like it was like uh i felt like i held back before mm. and then once i was metaphorically released into my own free space surrounded by all these fun cool people that i'd never seen before it was like right. all i wanted to do was have fun and nobody was gonna stop me from doing anything so right and and in that like getting right into like party culture in university and everyone treats drinking the most or being on like the biggest cocktail of drugs like an accomplishment it's like yeah it's like blackjack but instead of how close to 21 (laughs) can you get it's like how close to dying can you get without going over you know it's (laughs) yeah and we're laughing about it but that's yeah, actually that's very crazy. scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like people are having like alcohol poisoning and stuff. Like I remember actually, um, it's something I, I wasn't even planning on mentioning, but I'm glad it kind of popped in my head. Um, mm-hmm. I, the home tr- coming of uh, school, my first year, I got alcohol poisoning and then I went to the hospital and then I came back and I had all my hospital stuff on and I was like playing beer pong and stuff. And I made wow. like so many friends just from that. And that's a ridiculously dumb thing to do. <laughs> wow like nobody should do that but it was like cool you know right right it was this like big success like you rallied back after coming back from the hospital almost dying the dumbest thing it's the dumbest thing it's like so so that's just kind of you know young people right like trying to nobody knows really the dangers of things right um and then oh -hmm. sorry Brett. i was just gonna say is it okay if you just talk about quickly um like you went to university close to home, like you didn't go away for university, right? Like what was um, your university like? I went to university in Peterborough and I'm from Stouffville, just like a little bit north of Toronto. So okay. uh, it was like an hour and 15 away. So I, my first year I came back every other weekend to hang out like with my friends from high school because I love those guys. Um, mm-hmm. And so I tried to keep like a really good balance. And as kind of the years went on, I stayed in Peterborough more of the time. And then sometimes okay. like my friends would come and visit me, but I was away for pretty much the whole time I was out there. Okay. And okay. Um, then again, like kind of reluctant to come back because there's that whole, you know, as I was talking about, like with my parents and stuff earlier, it's like, you're completely free and then you come back and then it's like their rules again. Right. And um, again, nothing wrong with my parents rules they're just trying to keep me safe but that was just frustrating to me at that time so right um, you're getting a taste yeah. of freedom and you're far enough away from home to not have to come back mm-hmm. yeah um and yeah so I was out there uh kept going out and like partying five to six days a week and it ended up pretty quickly becoming exhausting like Right. There were, I, I can remember specifically so many nights where I would like look at the first shot or like the first beer and be like, oh, fuck, like, I don't even want to associate with this fluid. But like, right. I have to bring the energy tonight, you know? Mm. Um, and then being exhausted, <laughs> um, I guess that that could be like a good segue into, you know, enter stimulants. So mm. I was introduced to mdma and cocaine yeah and they those are things that i never thought i would even come close to doing ever in my life okay and they just became so immediately and 
seemingly inextricably entwined with my life in a matter of months. Mm -hmm. It was just like frequent use um, that really started catching up to me. Okay. Uh, So like what I would, what I kind of, I kind of like subbed out alcohol a little bit for like, you know how I said, like, I I need to bring the energy. Right. Um, You know, I'd be exhausted. And instead of staring down that first drink, I just like rail a line and feel Mm. charged because my friends and I are are, like social, like we like hosting. And that ended up being like every single night, there's a different group of people coming over to party. And for them, that might be their one night of the week they're going out. But for us, it was every single night. Right. Okay. So your house was the spot. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And Mm. um, I love that until it started like (laughs) killing me. Um, right (laughs) so yeah I and then that like it diffused out of nightlife and saturated my daily life like I was doing Mm. cocaine before the gym and like my friends and I would call it jokingly like a cocaine crank sesh instead of like taking a scoop of c4 we just hit lines and be all pumped up and then you know I I was always exhausted so I but I still had to study because you know it's still like a a decently tough program so right I started taking um Ritalin and Dexedrine to study to like make it through lectures um and I guess for listeners who might not be familiar Ritalin and Dexedrine and Adderall uh those are all like prescription amphetamines like methamphetamine um and I've never been prescribed any um so like, don't get me wrong, like they can be helpful for people who do need them. Yeah. But mostly people with ADHD to help them focus or what have you. But I, I'm like the furthest away from ADHD. I've never had any kind of difficulty concentrating. And it's just, right. I, my brain doesn't need any of those drugs. And they, like, I remember the first time I did Dexedrine, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know how much I took. And I stayed up all night. I stayed up, it ended up being 36 or 37 hours straight, but I stayed up all night. I went through a lecture, um, a quiz at the end of that lecture, then a lab. And then I came home and I couldn't sleep. And then we had people over. So I was like, whatever, I'll just party. And I stayed up all night and it, it, it took like a week to recover. So don't (laughs) take home point. Don't do study drugs, you know, get sleep. I'm, I'm. exhausted kind of just hearing you talk about <laughs> talk about that and I'm just curious Brendan you know for people who have never experienced that like really what was that like for you like were you when you would take all these drugs like were you excited or was there still a piece of you that was exhausted and tired and didn't want to do that like did you enjoy it once you were feeling good and and just what was that sort of experience when you were in it if that makes Um, sense so i guess yeah for people not familiar i don't know if people remember taking four loco like when that was a thing or if you just drink like jaeger bombs or something (laughs) right like you might if you're gonna party just (laughs) the like cocaine just feels like you're on four loco if you're also drunk you know Mm. like there's no point and it doesn't last long it's it's like a shot of energy and then it's gone and then for me, MDMA was just like prolonged cocaine. I know a lot of people feel different things with that. Like some people yeah. feel like um, touch feels better and stuff, but I, I was, it was just energy. And mm. when it comes to study drugs, I hate them. <laughs> I never <laughs> like them. They, they don't make you smarter. Like, um, like the best thing is read a little bit and take a nap, man. Like fall asleep, let your brain... Yeah practice what it's learned you know give right. your give your when you sleep um i don't know if anyone might find this interesting but there's something called cerebral spinal fluid that mm. seeps deeper into your brain to clean out cellular waste and the cellular waste that's not removed slows down mm. the electric transmission of your neurons so you literally think slower so don't stay up all night studying sleep um very good point very good point <laughs> yeah no it's true though because this is a bit sidestepping from the topic but a lot of people mm-hmm. whether they're taking study drugs or not are staying up and they're yeah. already so exhausted and it really doesn't do anything for exactly your performance in school yeah 
you stay up, you have all this stuff in your active or working memory. It's not even getting transferred to long-term. You regurgitate it onto the paper and then you graduate with a degree and no knowledge. Like what's the point? Yeah. You, you want to learn. So right. um, yeah, sleep, sleep. <laughs> yeah, so sleep. Well then, and in your case, Brendan, when you were taking all these study drugs and you said you were like powering through a lecture and a quiz, did you even absorb any of that information after like looking back that period of time in terms of school? Honestly, probably not. I don't know how much of it I would attribute just to study drug. Like I was in a horrible spot from like 2018 through 17. I don't even like, I'm pretty sure I was associated for like all of 2016. I don't remember anything. Like I, that year of school, whatever I took, you know, good luck. Yeah. Gone. Um, people will like when I'm hanging out with my friends now, we'll still talk about memories and I'll be like, oh, you remember when you did it? Like, no, dude, like mm. I wasn't I was on autopilot. I didn't know anything. So. Right. Yeah. Um, actually, that might that might be. Because people might be confused about like that autopilot sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, um, I think. I had uh, a lot of issues with like my brain and hormones from all the stuff. So like after like gallons of alcohol and however many grams of various powders, um, my body and brain really just kind of started to give up. Mm. Um, I also like, I wasn't really eating anything. Um, Like when you're like, I was trying to stay fit still while partying all the time. And when you're drinking like a thousand calories of alcohol every day, that's not leaving much for nutrients that your body needs Mm. so I at one point I got down like below 140 pounds and I'm 6'1 like yeah it's like I don't know for reference I guess people listening can't see me I'm like 177 (laughs) pounds right now I'm like healthy right so significantly less weight yeah it was nuts um and then what finally pushed me to get help was like I wasn't feeling any emotion and um, people who know me will have probably heard this before because uh, it's like uh, a common conversation almost, which is mm. cool. I think, cause I think it's important to talk about stuff like this, but totally. Um, like, I guess the best, the best way to conceptualize it, at least how I understand it is like, you could tell the funniest joke or like roast me with like the hardest insult. And my internal response would be inevitably the same. Um, like it would just be like apathy. Like I did not care. Um, so like I wasn't even having fun with my friends when I was doing fun things. I had completely lost interest in sexual partners. Like uh, like nothing, nothing right. at all. Like you could throw the hottest person in the world at me. I'd be like, Ooh, I don't know, you know? Right. Like, I just didn't care. Um, I was just full autopilot for like basically all of 2016, maybe the end of 2015 and kind of leaking into 2017. It was, it was mm. nuts. So I went and I got some tests ran. Yeah. Um, so I did an MRI. So that's a magnetic resonance imaging test um, yeah. where they check out different areas of the brain structure. They inject you with like this tracer and they're really cool. Um, like being, <laughs> being a psych student, I, like I kept the like CD of like my brain, like I love it. Oh, cool. So that's sick. But um, yeah. th- they did that because they thought I might have a pituitary tumor, which I mm. didn't, thankfully. Yeah. And then doctors kept like suggesting hormone replacement therapy. But again, being like a psych student, I know once you get on those, that's pretty much it. So yeah. I was like, no, like I-, I-, I can figure out something else. Um, right. So then and just that a kind- question, yeah. Brandon. Um, just going back to when you were saying like you couldn't feel emotion, it sounds like you were aware of that though, right? Because you got yeah, the testing. and it was annoying. <laughs> so there was yeah, there was like a desire to want to feel emotion, like mm-hmm. you knew you wanted to do this, but it just like nothing was coming up for you. Mm-hmm. Because okay. I'm like growing up all throughout like high school and every like I loved life, like yeah, like I I loved you know like everything, like I I, mm-hmm. I feel. A lot better now like same thing like even you know you see like a nice plant looks healthy it's like shit that's sick like I feel <laughs> good about that you know yeah but like but like I see you got a little uh a couple nice plants behind you I love that getting some light you know <laughs> yeah it's good stuff yep. um yeah. but yeah you could 
you could give me like the biggest compliment like you could do the sweetest thing or i could like witness like the cutest interaction and i just it'd be nothing mm-hmm. it was just full out robot um yeah. and that really like and that really messed up like social interactions and stuff because i ended up just it would be like bare bones stimulus response you know it's like person asks me something it's like and then in my internal processing there'd be no like playfulness or anything i'd be like right is this person trying to get an answer for like a fact and do i know that fact and if i know the Mm -hmm. fact i'll give it the the fact with no like no fun and if i don't know the fact i'll be like sorry can't help you and then that's the conversation and it's like nobody wants to be like that like that sucks right right yeah Um, i was gonna ask that and um I might be kind of taking you off track here of your story, but I was no, curious cool. around how, yeah, like how was that for your friends or like the people that were closest to you trying to interact with you? What did that look like for them? Um, I think, I don't think people like knew what to do. Um, like, cause like, what can you, you know, like if you don't have training yeah. in it, you know, it's such a, it's so hard to support people who, you know, are, um, going through some stuff but like you don't know exactly what the stuff is and it's like right am i being intrusive here like does this person want help advice like what's the deal right um i know it was really hard switching from that go-to party big energy you know loves everybody type Mm -hmm. uh guy to every night people are still coming over but i stopped partying because i guess back into like that when i committed to recovery i was like like my endocrinologist told me my body was basically telling me the way that i'm treating it isn't worthy of reproducing like that's why i didn't have any like sexual energy Mm. um and like when we don't feed ourselves and are in stressful environments and it's just like a natural reaction to shut off everything okay because like you can't even take care of yourself uh, or your body thinks that right Um, right like it was trying so hard but there was kind of no healthy outcome and so it just stopped yeah it was like man if you're not gonna work with me i'm not working with you and like my gp right. told me my testosterone was like an 11 year old girl's and like wow my options were like completely change everything you're doing or expect a really short life and mm. i really took that to heart yeah. so i it was like november something 2016 like november 16th or something like that yeah and i immediately swore off drugs and alcohol for as long as necessary when that happened um and yeah i i was just kind of like like everything feels exactly the same anyway so i might as well only do things that are productive because i'm Mm going to be bored no matter what um so that's a pretty i'm just thinking like in some way this like party person who's doing all these drugs and, and like the, the life of the party. Um, I'm kind of guessing that was part of your identity in some way. Yeah. And definitely. so to sort of switch into someone who was swearing off drugs, like how was that for you? I can imagine. I, I don't know. Was it hard? Was it hard to, to, to do that? Uh, yeah, it was like, Going from like, as you say, like the like fun party guy who hosted all the parties to yeah. this guy in his room studying during parties in his own house. Right. Um, after years of that reputation of like loving people and loving interactions and like all that. Yeah. I I really felt like I was letting everyone down because almost mm. every day my roommates who were still the same, like I still my best friends today, but yeah. My roommates would still have our friends over and I'd constantly be turning down offers to drink or go out or whatever. And even right. though I knew it was necessary, it was like shameful in a way. Like I'd built up mm. this big reputation and then just gone ghost in an instant. Right. Um, actually, you know, what? On, on that, I might, this could be like a good uh, opportunity to ask some general or offer some general advice for yeah. listeners, especially like young listeners. So yeah. Um, a really cool and nice and incredibly easy thing to do is just not ask why if someone turns down drugs like Mm it it's already hard enough to stay clean in an environment that's constantly stocked up with enough drugs to take down a gorilla you know like the active peer pressure is just a little bit of overkill Mm -hmm. and i've i've not been one historically to like fold under peer pressure so i was lucky in that way like i did stay sober for like 
37 months straight or whatever it ended up being which is amazing thank you um but it was still hard um it was definitely hard like people be coming in my room all the time I just be like sitting in my bed just like oh shit like another person you know right right that's exhausting yeah yeah it it was tough yeah and I, I like hear you when you say just don't ask why like I I think a lot of us grew up in a, like the party culture and I went out quite a mm-hmm. bit too. And if you ever came to a bar, like if, even if you were DD and you just wanted a night off and people are like, why aren't you drinking tonight? You're like, oh, I'm driving. It's like, who cares? Like call a cab and they're like constantly pushing you. And um, it really is a tough environment. And it's interesting how that can become shameful, just saying no to drugs and alcohol. Yeah, no. Yeah. Doing, doing the healthy thing is like, a mistake somehow you know yeah um, yeah and it's actually like I find like I I worked at a university for my clinical practice in undergrad I mean in yeah. grad school and I even like some of my new clients as well as um like I've just met a really cool person recently who had like almost the exact same experience where people are like wow. 20 to like 23 like somewhere around there and they're like I'm not okay I need to sober up and it's yeah. um it's like you wouldn't even know until you talk to people about it but it feels like right. it's something that more people go through than you might expect yeah and another I guess point there is I would still go to like clubs and stuff sober um like when I had the energy which I was rare yeah but um like you can have fun you know if you're with the right people you know mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. I would go out and people would come or people would come to like my place right and they'd be like oh you're not drinking tonight I'd be like oh no like I quit like I'd stop and yeah people would be like absolutely hammered and being all like oh man I wish I could do that that's so cool like mm. I always wanted to and it's like you could you know yeah yeah like it, it's not easy but you could yeah. it's just um I think being open with people about it gives you accountability for it and just sitting down like if anyone who's listening is having trouble with this I think sitting down with yourself and kind of exploring your own values and why that might be something you might want to do could be a really valuable exercise maybe talking about that with somebody close to you or seeing a therapist about it yeah um all all great options to kind of roll a little bit closer to where you'd rather be yeah yeah and like I think that's such a great idea but I think I know too how hard that is because mm-hmm. um people don't normally think that addiction is present I think when you're in your 20s like when you're going through university it's you're mm-hmm. like oh it's part of the culture I'm supposed to black out this is what my yeah. years are for <laughs> exactly and I mean both of us are past that now and looking back mm-hmm. we're like that was probably not the, the best thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely hearing your experience, definitely not the best thing. But there is that sense that this is what my younger, like um, early 20s are for in some way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're talking about now, but how that can really have long-term effects. And you don't need to do that if you don't want to. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I... I don't know there it's it's weird that like if you step back from it and you think about like why everyone wants to or think it thinks it's like necessary um mm-hmm. to be on drugs and alcohol and like drugs and alcohol alter your perceptions right so like yeah. from a phenomenological perspective your perception is your reality so right. that means drugs and alcohol change your reality so mm-hmm. why like people use drugs and alcohol because they want to have fun, but would you really right. need to alter your reality to have fun if the reality in which you existed were inherently enjoyable? Like you wouldn't. Mm. So, yeah, you know, if yeah. a, a good like rule of thumb that I use still um, is if the event or wherever, like whatever situation in is um, that you're submersed in requires psychotropic alteration to be enjoyable that environment is not inherently worthwhile so Hmm. find something that's fun sober um and you can do that and you can do that and like drink responsibly you know 
like right. have a few like I now have come to a place where because alcohol was never the thing that I had an issue with I didn't even like it right but I, I absolutely don't even come close to touching like stimulants and stuff and mm. my friends who've like been with me like the whole time um still like um I guess not now with COVID and everything because it's 2020 um yeah <laughs> but when when I kind of like returned back to like hanging out and like having a couple drinks and stuff, like there would still be a ton of like Coke and stuff at all of these parties. And my friends yeah. would, um, not that like it's their responsibility or that it's like needed, but something that I actually really appreciate is they'll step in and be like, nah, he doesn't do that shit. Mm. And that's that. And it's like, yeah. cool, you know? Yeah. And like, that's another cool thing you can do for people. You know, if, if you feel like your friend, um, like I'm personally, I'm pretty confident. Like I'm okay with just saying no after yeah. doing it for every day forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but some people are, get really, really stressed out and like really right. want to, they feel like they're letting people down if they're not participating in the same thing. And right. it's like, you're like, if, if you're high on something and you're getting mad at someone else for not getting high on that same thing that's nuts man like right whether or not they're high doesn't affect you it's not like they take some and then you amplify each other exponentially that's not how yeah bio works you know yeah so, yeah um but i myself off track but uh no but yeah. i think that's an, like i think that's an important piece that you mentioned brendan because people also see drugs and alcohol as this bonding experience in some way like mm -hmm. this is how i'm gonna make friends and so <laughs> Like, I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. We're going to have like, the yeah. greatest time. We're going to hold hands and trip on us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And I think what you said about if you need to alter re your reality, then it's not worth it. And I think that kind of links to a point of like, if you're surrounded by people that are forcing you to do this, then maybe they're not worth it. Like, if they're not respecting mm -hmm. your own boundaries and, you know, peer pressuring you and asking you why until you say yes, then maybe that's something to look at. And mm -hmm. where, where is that? What is that relationship to you? I think is like, that's coming up for me. Yeah, no, that's, that's an excellent point. I think, I think it's really important. And one of the the exercises that I use with my clients a lot um, is like a visualization exercise. And one of the, it's like a little journal. Mm -hmm. And one of the components of it is to write about what kind of people or who you'd like to be around. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you do that with, um, actually, I think this could be helpful. So I'll just like explain that briefly. So you can sit yeah. down with yourself for like five minutes or 10 minutes and you write about, you know, what would your ideal possible job situation or education be like? What would your ideal possible living situation be like? What would your ideal possible social group or family functioning be like? Mm -hmm. And you list those out. And you think like you think hard about that, but then you keep that on hand and you reflect back on that regularly. And what that does is it primes your brain to be aware of mm. opportunities to get into places like that. So say you go to a social event and you already have this kind of image in your head of these are the types of people that I'd like to be around. And then you go to a party or something right. um, and you see a group of people who seem to be like that, mm. whatever that may be for you, then that might kind of prime you to be like, oh, I want to go talk to them because that seems like the person type of people I'm into rather than just right. kind of floating around aimlessly. Like a loose, mm. a loose goal is better than no goal or right. a bad goal is better than no goal even, you know, like, right. Like try to, to set yourself up to seize opportunities. Yeah. Um, and that's, I love I that. Think, thank you. I, I think that's been, um, a helpful exercise for the people that I've tried it with. And I know it's been helpful for me for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just really giving you yourself the time to visualize that. I think at, again, like at a young age, you're kind of just like going with the flow and every experience is a good experience, but maybe not. And maybe mm -hmm. you need to seek out what experience is worthwhile to you. Mm -hmm. I agree with that for sure. Yeah. So we did get a bit off track, Brennan, <laughs> I think, but um, very important. Um, piece uh, points that we made there and you made there um but i just wanted maybe to give the listeners a bit more insight into your own recovery process i think we like mm -hmm. kind of set it up in pieces but right. um you know when you when you did declare i'm swearing off drugs and then you mentioned i think earlier that you were sober for 37 38 months mm -hmm. um 
what did that piece of your story look like? Um, okay. So I guess at that point I was, I was like halfway done my undergraduate degree and I was yeah. left with just a trash average and mm. no emotions still at that point. Right. Um, so yeah, my, my endocrinologist and my GP said all the things that they said. And then yeah. I, I was just like, I got to change, right? Like, again, as I said earlier, if everything feels the same, you might as well only do things that are good for you. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I guess all of that really hurt my cognitive processing too. Like it, it really slowed down my brain. So um, when I tried to work hard, it was like, it was like, I felt like I had like a weight like weights around my ankles or something, you know, like mm. when I started uni, I was pulling off like passable ish grades, like yeah. not grad school worthy grades, but like C's to get degrees type shit. Yeah. With minimum. <laughs> effort. Um, but by like the time I needed to recover in 2016, I was like getting through like a four page essay. It was excruciatingly difficult. Mm. And then something I used to tell myself, all the time like every day and now um as a therapist i would not recommend any listeners adopt this mantra at all um but i would tell myself you're not nearly as smart as anyone else here so you better work harder than any of them could imagine and then mm. you'll be on like the same page like same playing mm. field okay um you had to degrade yourself in some way to yeah it was like you? it was like dude you like you can't just put in what you were putting in before and like match mm. everyone you know like you you need to work way harder because you're half as smart as everyone else here because i just mm. i couldn't think fast yeah it, like my brain was just toast i think that's um, so crazy for me to hear because i know you from grad school when mm -hmm. you were like working really hard and doing so well <laughs> so like for me to think like oh brendan couldn't get through a four-page essay i think for me no. <laughs> you and in that stage of your life i'm like wow like yeah yeah it, thank you for that um yeah big massive change from like 2016 to like over like the two three years up until like we, when did we start grad school 2018 2018 yeah yeah so definitely a, a lot of work to get there but yeah. um i mean it's it's definitely possible but yeah I, I just couldn't think how did you get your brain brain into think faster do you feel like it's faster now do you feel oh, like yeah. it's easier okay yeah way better way way better I remember um yeah I, I know like we did when we did like individual appraisal at school like and for mm. I guess people who didn't go to the same school as us which yeah was everyone <laughs> yeah you, you learn stuff like um different personality assessments and like IQ and stuff like that and like if I were to take the IQ test that we took in grad school in 2016 mm. I would have been like 50 points lower like at, right I, there's no way um but I think I, I I spent a ton of time researching like diet and exercise mm -hmm. um and I created like a dietary and exercise regime focused on healing my brain specifically oh wow so that kind of consisted of um sleep plenty of healthy fat uh sufficient protein which I wasn't getting enough of before mm. And I wasn't getting any fat before, um, which is like you test. If you have issues with testosterone, testosterone needs to be synthesized from cholesterol. Like you must consume cholesterol or you have no testosterone. Mm. And that's something I didn't know before. Right. Um, and then I worked in like the gym to build muscles that I specifically knew had higher density of androgen receptors. So that, those are things like your quads and your traps mm -hmm. um, in hopes to boost my testosterone as well. Um, and that's not going to make a major difference, but it does feel better. And right. then I kept that up for like three years straight. Like I had the exact same diet. Like I ate the exact same foods almost every day, mm. um, which like my friends still chirp me for occasionally. <laughs> like I came up with all these weird like recipes with all the most healthy different like herbs and whatever I could yeah. find. And like so much of that food just sucked. But <laughs> you never um, got sick of it. I just I, I knew I. I felt like I had to do it to get okay. healthy. So yeah, I just kept doing sense. it every single day. Like the same, yeah. like I tracked everything um, like by weight, not volume. And like, I, like everything was very strict. 
Mm. Um, no alcohol. My sleep hygiene was like intensely regimented, mm. um, which is so important. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that I just kept that up for for a while. And after a few years, um, which does feel like a long time when you're in it. Yeah. Um, I was able to eventually stabilize my blood markers. Like something I forgot to mention earlier was that apart from my hormones, my liver enzymes were like hundreds mm. of percents higher. Like the yeah. A is AST and AT. No, I, ALT, I, don't, I, don't, I, even know. I don't know. <laughs> um, AST and something else. Uh, they were like hundreds of percents higher than they should have been. Mm. And I had really, really low blood, uh, red blood cells, high white blood cells, all this stuff going on. Right. Um, but I eventually through continuing with that work um, came to a point where like I got my average up enough to thankfully get into grad school. Yeah. And then I stayed sober all through grad school. And now, like, as I've said, I've learned I can have a few casual drinks with friends safely without losing control. But right. So um, you did all of your recovery um, without medication, without you said like hormone replacement. Yeah. It was all just diet and exercise. Yeah, I am. I have hypothyroidism, which I've always had. So okay. I'm on low dose levothyroxine for that. That's something that like, that's it's not like testosterone, where if you get off of it, you never make it again. But right. I've always had that. Mm-hmm. And um, that that actually makes a huge difference. Like I, um, I freeze if I'm not mm-hmm. on that. Like I just like, it'll be the summer and my hands will be cold. I don't have any circulation. It's nuts. So but I never right. took any, any testosterone. I never, never did any sort of um, stuff like that. Not that, you know, like if, if you're talking to your doctor and like you really, really need it, or like maybe if you're older, um, it'll naturally drop. So it might be something like, I'm not saying mm-hmm. nobody should take testosterone, but probably if you're 20, <laughs> you could probably yeah. just be doing better with your life to help, um, help get that up and there's a lot of things you can do you can do all the things i was just talking about um you know you can do things that you're good at and then win at them Mm. that's a little life hack gives you more serotonin gives you a little bit of testosterone just talking to people you think is attractive can boost your testosterone up to 40 percent like there's all kinds of stuff you know if you're feeling (laughs) that like little tip for you guys listening (laughs) if you're feeling down just snapshot someone you think is nice a little a little like snap see what's up and um, <laughs> you know there there you go there's your little yeah. boost for the day yeah call call your girlfriend see how she's doing and yeah there you go you know? <laughs> good to good to go for the rest of the week mm-hmm. <laughs> is it okay to ask brendan then where like your white blood cells like all those stuff would you say they're back to normal now like yeah how- yeah my my blood markers are excellent right now i, I feel phenomenal um yeah. like i've been I've just been having so much fun with life since mm. like recovering. Um, I, I mean, I guess if people don't know, I'm a therapist and a nutritionist. So those two things really help. Cause I just treat myself like a client. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I have, I have a ton of energy. Like before this podcast I did, I did like a heavy full body workout for like an hour and a half. Then I did like an hour of cardio now I'm here and then I'm going to go out and, um, play some pond hockey with a few of my bubble buddies um and i've got a ton of energy still like yeah um the the things that the like mindset you you maintain like positive like i I mentioned earlier that like never use the mantra of you're not smart so work harder right right. like (laughs) use do the opposite like um you know practice like self-gratitude like be reflect mm-hmm. on the things that you, you think are cool about yourself and you're prouder of, you know, like at the end of the day, you know, if you're feeling bad at the end of the day, sit there and kind of walk through your day and be like, well, what did I actually do today? And you're going to be surprised at all the cool stuff you did. And just like yeah. focus on all that. Eat well, like a therapist or a nutritionist, if you don't know how to cope with mental uh, issues, or if you don't really know much about nutrition, which barely anyone does. I mean, like our we get taught like, very poor nutritional advice in Canada. Um, So yeah, just like, you know, use some resources if you're able um, or talk to people that, you know, know some stuff. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. 
you can email me at brendan at newmarkettherapy.com <laughs> yeah. if, you wanna, if you don't know me already and uh, you want to learn some stuff. I'll, I'll attach all your social media handles and your emails to this episode. Oh, thanks. People can find you. But <laughs> I think that's that. like a great advice. I think really just taking the time to reflect on your day and, and don't feel bad about saying things that you're good at too mm-hmm. and like I am smarter I am good at this mm-hmm. and celebrating that and yeah it makes a whole lot of difference and I mm-hmm. I do love gratitude like you mentioned that as well just like looking back on your day and what's one thing you're thankful of for today or just this week or in general it changes your mindset and it sounds like for you that was really helpful just like shifting certain things and mm-hmm. cumulatively it just it changed everything for you yeah yeah, it's um, like talking, and I kind of picked that up from like uh, like one of my buddies. Um, shout out Matt. He's uh, <laughs> he's like super positive, and like he's he's always just like like if he makes a mistake or whatever, he'll be like whatever. I'm cool as shit. Like he'll just like say something, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I have um, a friend like that too. Shout out Angela. She's always just like fuck it. I'm the shit. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's great. Like um, even or like if if you're at the gym or something and you're like, Oh, like my legs look small, but at least my abs look tight today, you know, something like, <laughs> like, or if like you do bad on one assignment, just be like, but that other assignment in that class that I like more, I killed. So yeah. whatever, you know, like yeah. try to try to focus on what's going well for you in your life when you can. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And now Brandon, now that you're kind of in this place that's more stable and you're feeling good about yourself what would you tell your past self if there was anything like that Brendan that was going through and doing all those drugs and and just trying to keep up and maintain this party person identity Mm, what do I tell my past self uh man that's a a tricky question I guess I might say a couple things yeah you so can talk to yourself thing, <laughs> one thing yeah i'll talk to myself out loud <laughs> right here um so what's up bro uh you don't <laughs> you don't have anything to prove um mm. i think and that's probably relatable to a lot of young people you don't have to you don't have anything to prove you know a lot of times if you think like you're lacking in something and you're trying to like compensate for whatever yeah. nobody cares about you man you're fine you're gonna yeah. be okay um if i could say and that's something i would say to myself in like high school back then you know yeah but if i were thinking about me when i was really having a hard time trying to recover and i can like feel anything and like i was like i guess um i didn't really mention this earlier but if it wasn't obvious obvious like i was like very very not okay at all mm-hmm. like i didn't even want to be alive even a little bit like i didn't want to actively kill myself because it's like well yeah. that would be tragic you know that mm-hmm. was like my rational like it's not right. that I cared it was just like if I did that everyone would be sad mm-hmm. so I'm not going to but if I die like on the highway whatever you know like yeah. it was like that kind of thing yeah um so what I would say to that guy is um life's gonna get so much better just make sure you're there to see it mm. I love that that's so important. And I'll say that to everyone listening too. If like, even if life's good, it's going to get better. And if life's yeah. not doing so well, you know, you're, you're probably a lot more resilient than you think you are. Yeah. And uh, you're going to keep it as long as just stick with it. You'll, you'll come out on top. Yeah. Might take that, remind, that reminds me of my, one of like my favorite quotes. Of, um, I think it goes like, what a best, Oh, I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> like what an amazing thought it is that some of the best days of your life haven't even happened yet. Yeah. And is, I, yeah, it's just so hopeful. And that's basically your experience. Like what you just told your past self that, yeah, you had fun, but you're going to have a lot more fun in the future mm-hmm. and it's going to feel real good. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to ask Brennan to your emotions. Is that mm-hmm. back? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I still, some emotions I'm trying to get like a little bit better. <laughs> like, uh, I don't, I don't find I tap into sadness very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if I do, 
let's have it baby like if, if i <laughs> if i can if i'm like oh shit i might cry i am crying like okay yeah you're gonna happening. feel it yeah but uh that's not very common and i don't i don't really think that's a problem i know i'm like again mentioned like talking back to individual appraisal when we did like uh the personality assessments and stuff like i'm mm -hmm. crazy low in neuroticism like it's just not a thing that i'm wired to feel mm -hmm. so but like i i feel like joy all the time i love like working with my clients seeing when they they're growing um yeah. or like if if anyone's ever like at the end of a session like a common thing that you probably hear a lot as well in your own practice is like sometimes mm -hmm. people say they feel lighter or yeah. like they're looking forward to the week or something or I like to do like a check-in at the beginning and at the end like yeah rating different emotions and different types of thoughts and stuff and when I see like increases in that that just amps me up you know mm -hmm. I feel great when I see like when I get to see people that I haven't seen in a while or when I get to like talk on the like I talked on the phone to uh, my friends pretty frequently like, I like to like go on walks or whatever and I'll just have my earphones in talking and yeah. like I'll be laughing like the whole time just genuinely mm. enjoying that yeah and um yeah it, it's terrific I'm I'm really happy to still be here um yeah. and uh yeah just to answer that question really really long I feel mm. I feel a lot of emotions and I feel them pretty strongly so I'm very very thankful for that yeah yeah that's so so nice to hear I think just hearing you talk about how you couldn't feel anything and now you're talking to your friends talking to your friends mm -hmm. just genuinely laughing the entire time that's so beautiful that's like yeah lots to be thankful for there mm -hmm. yeah actually something really funny I think um the first time I experienced a genuine positive emotion mm. like after however long it was of not I was helping my grandpa just move some like river stones in his backyard and mm. somebody somebody like walked by that he didn't like outside um like on the street and he just like m started mumbling some like shit in greek and i like laughed to myself and i was like wait what the hell was that i was like that was that's like a legit like that was happy like that's the thing like that's what got me after however long like, <laughs> it's like 85 year old man just like cursing in foreign language <laughs> like yeah it, it was but it was like that's it man like step one baby you hit it like uh, that it was uh, so that's so cool though i just think that's like a funny little story because it's that not is... what i would have expected <laughs> right. right like it wasn't like the funniest movie you've ever seen or just like it was yeah. your grandpa just mumbling to himself shit talking someone else yeah yeah it was so because it's like he's such a nice guy too it just caught like i like surprises like i yeah. like like shocking like humor type, like not like crazy offensive but like you yeah. don't see it coming you know i'm like right. i did not see that coming he's such a sweet guy and it's just like <laughs> what is that like i don't know it was it was jokes <laughs> i love that and shout out to our grandparents just making us happy in times when we need it yeah shout out grandparents for sure <laughs> yeah <Love> them. <laughs> they're the best um well thank you so much Brendan, for sharing your experience with me and the listeners like i got so much out of it and i'm sure there are a ton of people who have experienced or are experiencing the same thing right now. And that listening to your story will really get them thinking. And I think about what kind of life they want to live and how mm -hmm. they want to live that. I hope so. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. Um, yeah. Haven't seen you in a while. So very nice to have this interaction. Yes. And if you want me back anytime to talk about anything, I'm down. For sure. This, a part two, Brendan been, part two. <laughs> this has been fun. Um, so it's been fun. I really appreciate the opportunity to, you know, share this time with you to share this time with anyone who is listening. Um, yeah. And I really hope anyone who is listening, if, if uh, anything has like stuck with you today, kind of like, think about it, apply whatever you want to yourself. And just know that again, like things will get better mm -hmm. if you stick with it. Yeah. Really, really important. Thank you so much, Brendan. And to finish off the podcast episode, I like to ask my guests three little questions to wind it all down. So is it okay if I ask you those now? Sure. Okay. My first question is, what are you grateful for? Oh, man, I'm grateful for so much. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I'm, I'm like right now what I'm thinking about, I'm really immensely grateful for my family mm -hmm. um i'm 
so grateful that I get to work in the line of work that I do work mm-hmm. in. Could have said yep. that better, but you know what I, mean? <laughs> I got you. Um, I'm immensely grateful for my health right now and just how just knowing that contrast, especially today, taking a little time to actually kind of reflect on how things were um, yeah. back then compared to now. It's just I, it's like I'm it's like not the same brain body anything nothing so I'm immensely grateful for that yeah um I'm I don't know I love being able to like live where I live in Canada Mm -hmm. and have like these interactions with people like you like knowing people like you and everyone else like I don't know there's the list of things I'm not grateful for would be a lot easier to go through (laughs) Um, but I'm, I'm just so happy yeah oh and the second one what makes you feel like your best self? Oh man, what makes me feel like my best self? I feel like my best self when I hmm something something I like to do every day and I've been doing this for years. I feel like I've won the day if I've done uh two things and any like you can repeat these things as many times as you want. If one, mm-hmm. I've done a favor for my future self. Mm. any kind of favor if I'm getting some work done today that future me doesn't have to deal with or I'm like investing something that future me will benefit from um, do a favor for future you and then another is if I can improve someone else's life in any way then and I've nailed those two targets that day's a win and I feel like when I'm doing those things consistently Mm. then I just feel at my best. So like when I have opportunities to talk to people about like when I see my clients and some interventions are being effective or when I see growth and then I'm like that helps there or even just like making somebody laugh. If you get a smile, that's better than if they weren't smiling, right? They're smiling, right? right? So you won, you know, that's (laughs) a point. Um, So any, any time I can do those two things, I feel like I'm at my best. And also, uh, sober (laughs) i I think a a lot better like even at like parties and stuff i'd rather be sober still or like Mm -hmm. mostly sober like maybe like a couple drinks because you have your wit with you you're not doing dumb things you're gonna regret you're remembering everything and there's no hangover it's like right you know right yeah and what a shift there for you too first i'm gonna take those two little to-do list tasks that you just mentioned and keep them for myself yeah great let me know uh (laughs) text me later about it too. I, I feel yeah. like you know it's like it's such a big thing like I won the day and it could be like 10 a.m like you can do that whenever you want yeah if it, it just I find that's a, a nice little hack yeah yeah and then I was gonna say and just uh, like what a incredible shift for you to even just add that sober part just again hearing where you where you were years ago and that was probably not part of your day before yeah definitely I would have been happiest, absolutely spinning right. and not even happy, just right. more, um, I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah. But trash, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> stay, so- stay sober, stay in school. Drink yeah, water, say sleep. no to drugs. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah. eat, eat your vegetables. Mm-hmm. And the last question, Brendan, um, what does being human mean to you? Yeah. That's like a whole podcast. Um, <laughs> what does being human mean to me? I think being human means understanding, um, understanding your strengths and your limitations, um, working to accept those. Um, I think it's important to, you know, look inward, be mindful. Um, you know, all humans make mistakes. Mm-hmm. All humans have an unknowable potential for positive growth. Um, And if you feel like, you know, you're in a place where you could be a lot better, even if you're in a place where you're already pretty great, you can still grow uh, an Mm -hmm. unknowable amount, you know? So, um, you know, if you make a mistake, try and learn from it. Don't be too hard on yourself. That's Mm -hmm. a human thing all humans will do and all humans can improve. And uh, yeah. All humans need each other too. Mm. I think what when you think about yep. what it means to be human, I think you know you need 
autonomy. You need a sense of competence. So knowing some things that you're good at and you need that re- relatedness, that, that triad of psychological right. needs. Yeah. And, um, you know, try and try and mix some of that into your life every day if you can. Yeah. Yeah. No, so important, especially I think we've all experienced that, especially during COVID and the pandemic about like just like not being able to be together and how important Mm -hmm. social connection is wherever that comes up in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brendan. And thank you for answering those three questions. So amazingly, that's not really a word, but um, (laughs) such important points there. And this has been such a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you.